The message I have for you tonight is coming out of the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 69. I'll give you just a moment to, to find it. I, I'm going to flip from, I want to read two verses in Psalm 69 and then a verse in Psalm chapter 40. Nova, hear me tonight. God's especially prepared a message just for you tonight. And that's what I'm preaching tonight. The message is, is don't play in the mud. Now, I don't expect you to understand or remember everything that I'm saying tonight. But here's what's going to happen. I want you to remember the don't play in the mud. And your mom is going to spend the next several years teaching you and telling you the things that I'm going to preach tonight. Psalm chapter 69, verse 1 says this. Save me, O God. For the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire. Mire is another word for mud. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Flip back just a few pages to chapter 40. I want to read one verse from chapter 40 also, and then we'll go to the Lord together in prayer one more time tonight. Psalm chapter 40, verse 2 says this. He brought me up also out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my going. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you tonight. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you've given us to gather here tonight to dedicate this child to you, to see her mother make the commitment that she's made tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the support we've already seen from the rest of our church family. We thank you tonight, Lord, for the roof you put over our head, the freedom you've given us. God, you've been so good to us. You've blessed us beyond measure. And Lord, my heart's desire is that we wouldn't be ungrateful, that we wouldn't take any of it for granted or lightly, but we would be the people that you've called us to be. The people that... Uh, people that glorifies you in everything that we say and that we do. So, Lord, my prayer tonight is, is that you would move in our midst in a mighty way. God, that you're glorified in everything that is said and done. Lord, we're asking for your blessings on our service tonight. Lord, asking that you would move by your sweet Holy Spirit in a mighty way. Lord, we're just praying tonight, Lord, that you would just do what only you can do in this service, and we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. And Lord, I pray also tonight, Lord, that um, this message I know is for Nova tonight and for her mother and her family, but the message is for every one of us as well tonight. 
And so, Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that if there's any of us that's lost and undone, any of us that's drifted away from where we ought to be, any of us that's just gotten out into the world, or, or, or maybe we've never known you. Lord, whatever it might be, maybe, we're, maybe there's some here that's hurting, some here that doesn't know where to turn. Lord, whatever it is, God, let tonight be the night that they would turn to you. Let tonight be the night they would put their faith and their trust in you. Let tonight be the night they would repent and turn, Lord, uh, from, uh, from the ways of the world and turn to you. God, let tonight be the night, Lord, that they would step out in faith. Whatever it is, God, have your way and your will. And Lord, let me ask one more thing. I need your help tonight. I can't preach without you. I know that. I got nothing to say. I got nothing worth saying anyways, lest you give it to me. So Lord, I'm praying, asking, Lord, that you'd preach me one more time here tonight. Lord, just uh, clear my mind of everything but your message, your words, your thoughts. Place on my tongue the very words you'd have me to speak tonight. God, fill me full of your spirit, Lord God. Lord, my desire is for your anointing. And Lord, that everyone would know that they've heard from heaven tonight. God, that it would come from you through my spirit to theirs. And we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory. God, we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. And we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. You know, one of the things that I can always remember as a child, I can remember my mother, I can remember my grandmother, I can remember, I, re, I have a distinct memory of a teacher whenever I was in grade school. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was in the first grade, I may have been in the second grade, but one or the other. But anyways, I have a distinct memory of a school teacher lining us up before recess and telling us, now look, I'm going to let you go out and play today, but don't play in the mud. I can remember so many times, right, as I said a minute ago, heading out of the door of the house and mom yelling, don't play in the mud. I can remember my grandma, I can remember my aunt saying that too. Don't play in the mud. That's the message that I've got for you tonight. Don't play in the mud. Now, you might think this preacher is crazy. And maybe I am. But you listen to what, what the Lord would say to you tonight, all right? Have ears to hear what the Spirit would say. Don't play in the mud. What am I talking about when I'm talking about the mud? Well, the first thing that I'm talking about is I'm talking about the mud of the world, right? The mud of the world, right? The, the, the carnality of the world, the flesh, the things of the flesh, right? Uh, you remember where you were at when God found you? I read the scripture just a minute ago. That should be a hint to you, right? Do you remember where you were at? You were in the miry clay. That's what the scripture says, right? It's talking about that sticky type of mud, right? That just It just seems like it sucks you in, right? You, you ever been stuck in that, that type that whenever, if you manage to get your leg out, you left your shoe in it. Do you understand what I'm talking about tonight, right? That is where we were at whenever God found us. The scripture tells us, let me just read it to you again, chapter 40, verse 2. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Glory to God. He lifted us up, right? We were stuck, sunk down, sucking us in farther in the miry clay. And he pulled us out and he set us on the rock. You know what the rock is, right? That is Jesus Christ. That is the firm foundation. He set us upon the rock and established our ways and our goings. Have you ever noticed that when God made a way, 
Whenever he made a way for anyone, it's on dry ground. Did you ever notice when he made a way for the children, uh, uh, for the children of Israel to leave Egypt on their way to the promised land? That he chose to make it a dry path? It wasn't a muddy path. It was a dry path. Uh, the Bible says at least five different times, right? That's the, time. That's the number I could find. There may be more than that, but I could find five different times that the Bible expressly said that when they come out of Egypt, they pass through the Red Sea, not in the mud, but on the dry ground. And then, after having wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, which was dry ground by which was a dry place, by the way, the Bible says that they crossed the Jordan River. Right? You can go to the book of Joshua and read about that. Joshua chapter 3. They crossed the Jordan River once again on dry land. God supernaturally parts the waters again and what should have been muddy ground, God made dry ground and they passed over on this dry land when they entered into the promised land. Now, compare that for just a minute to back to when they were slaves in Egypt. Do you remember what they were doing when they were slaves in Egypt? They were making bricks. You ever looked into and read and studied what the Bible says about that and then kind of searched that out? Do you know the whole process was literally stomping around in the mud to make them, dry, to make them bricks? They were working and living in the mud in Egypt. And when God delivered them from that life, He brought them out of the mud and He had no desire for them to go back into the mud. Now we know we've studied in, in, in Jennifer's Sunday school class where here lately where they wanted to go back a few different times. But God brought them out of the mud and he had no desire for them to go back. As a matter of fact, that reminds me what it says in 2 Peter. Let me read it to you. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 says, For if after they had escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ... They are again entangled therein and overcome the latter in is worse for them than the beginning. For if it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. He found us in the slime pits and in the mud bogs of this world. And he reached down and he picked us up out of the mud. He cleaned us off. He delivered us from a life of sin and condemnation. And he set us on the rock. He set us on the firm foundation. And he has made it clear that he has no desire for us to go back into the world and the things of the world. To go back to dabbling and playing in the sin, right? The, the, the pleasures of the flesh and all of those things that we once played in before. Don't play in the mud. You hear me tonight, church? Do not play 
in the mud. Let me give you another kind of mud that I'm talking about tonight. There's also the mud of compromise. Yeah, there sure is. If you were to go to the book of Jeremiah, of course, Jeremiah is the prophet in Jerusalem leading up to right at the time. Matter of fact, he sat there and weeped over Jerusalem, watched from above and weeped from a high hill and weeped over Jerusalem as they are besieged and conquered and destroyed and burned and the temple is torn down and the people are carried off into bondage into Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar and his army defeats them and carries them off. Jeremiah is the prophet at that time. Jeremiah is the prophet that God had sent over and over to the people of, of, of Israel, right? To Jerusalem, to the leaders, to, and to the common people both, and give them messages of warning, warning them that if they don't repent, the judgment was coming. Warning them then whenever it come a point where there was no remedy, right? Warning them then how they needed to handle that and what they needed to do and not resist because it was the judgment of God that was coming upon them. If you do look specifically in Jeremiah chapter 37 and Jeremiah chapter 38, you can see there that Jeremiah has been brought before the king of Israel to, in order to tell the king, if I remember right, it's Zedekiah, to tell him what God had said. And when Jeremiah told the king and told the people what God's message was, right, you can see that in uh, chapter 38, verse 3, I think it is. Maybe it's chapter 37. But anyways, the people are angry. They don't want to hear what he's got to say. Now listen to me. I got news for you. As a Christian, we have good news, right? Right, we have good news. But there's a lot of people that do not want to hear it. They do not want to hear the message of the Bible. They do not want to hear the scriptures, right? Uh, they do not want to know what is right and what is wrong. They don't want to know what is sin and what is not sin because they desire to continue to play in the mud. They desire to continue to wallow in the mire. And so anyways, what they do is they threaten Jeremiah to try to get him to compromise the message that God had given him. They're wanting him to change what he said, right? There was a lot of prophets in that day that would go to the king and tell the king just exactly what the king wanted to hear, right? Then what the king wanted to hear is you're doing great, you're wonderful, everything is going good, God is with you, he's going to deliver you, just hang in there. That's the message the world wants to hear today too. You ever wondered why you can turn the television on and you can see a church like Joel Osteen's uh, Plum Fool? Come on, doesn't that sound like the message he preaches every week? I'm just being real with you tonight. But yet you see so many biblical churches, right, that are, that are faithful to the Word of God. And they don't look a whole lot different than ours tonight. You ever wonder why that was? Because there's still people today that want the word of God, right, that want the compromise. They want to hear that everything is good, just like it is. You don't need to change a thing. You are great, just like you are. And just trust God and just hang in there and everything is going to be wonderful. That's a good message. I like to hear it too. 
But it ain't always true. It ain't always so. Jeremiah, look, whenever Jeremiah's preaching this message to them, the, the, it already come to the point, it says there in Second Chronicles, where there was no remedy. Right? The message that he, that, he, that he was given to give to the king was like, look, uh, I have ordained this. This is the punishment against, uh, against Israel for their rebellion against me, for their sin. And you better just go along with it. You better just lay down and quit fighting it and go along with it. They didn't want to hear that. They wanted him to, change, they wanted him to compromise. And so here is, that, I call it the mud of compromise. Do you know what they literally did, right? Read it. I, I know it's chapter thirty-eight, right? Verses three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right through there. Go, go. You can go over there and read it. In an effort to punish him for speaking the truth, and then try and trying, hopefully over time, right, to get him to change his message, they took Jeremiah and they put him in a dungeon. And then in that dungeon, they literally let him down in this, I, I picture it like a hole, you know. Uh, maybe it was like a cistern, I don't know. But with cords, they put cords around him, and they lowered him down in this, in this pit. That's the right word to use. In this pit that was full of mire. That was full of mud. And Jeremiah began to sink in the mud. You see... This was an attempt, this was an attack of Satan, right? In an attempt to get Jeremiah to compromise from what God called him to do. As you go through your life, Nova, and Alyssa, as you, as you go through serving the Lord, Satan is going to do everything that he can to try to get you to compromise. He's going to want you to compromise with the word, uh, with the world. He's going to want you to compromise on what God said. He's going to want you to compromise on the standard of living. He is going to do everything that he can to get you on that same mud that he was trying to get Jeremiah into, right? The mud of compromise. It's amazing how hard Satan tries to derail God's people by creating an environment that will get them to compromise, right? That's what he done. He created that environment, right? That place that, where that pit that, in that dungeon that uh, Jeremiah was, being, was lowered down into, right? He was actually, if you read that, he was in danger of actually starving to death down there in that mud because he wouldn't change what he said. That was Satan trying to put the squeeze on him. Putting in a position, right, trying to pressure him into compromise. If you don't think that he'll do the same thing to, to you, you are fooling yourself. He surely will. He'll try to make it seem like you are the only one who is trying to do right and that you're the only one who's trying to live right and that you're the only one trying to hold up a godly standard. He will create as much pressure as he possibly can to get you to go along with the crowd. Isn't that the message of the day today? Is just go along with the crowd, right? Don't say anything that offends somebody. Don't say anything that'll hurt anybody's feelings. Let somebody, if they want to think that they're a cat, let them think that they're a cat. If a boy thinks he's a girl, let him think that he's a girl. How dare you point out that that's not the truth? Is that not the message of the world today? If you think that it's going to get better, you are fooling yourself. 
He will create as much pressure as they possibly can to get you to go along with the crowd. He wants you to get in the mud. Do you understand? Do you hear me tonight? He wants you to get in the mud. What's the message of the Lord for you tonight? Don't play in the mud. Let me give you one more and I'll be done. There's also the mud of complacency, right? There is nothing that will slow a person down like mud. I don't care how strong you are, the mud can bog you down, slow you down, and it can even stop you. I've seen four-wheel drive pickups stuck in the mud. I've seen dozers stuck in the mud. I've seen huge tractors uh, uh, stuck in the mud and helpless in the mud. I, I tell you what, I remember whenever I, I was haul actually I was hauling hay for Don Allen. I was hauling hay to out to Lyons, Kansas with a big semi, right? A 53-foot flatbed. We were putting great big, uh, what, was it, what were they, 5 by 10 round bells on it. Is that right? Five by six. Five by five. I, we were ten foot wide, all right? I remember that part. And we were oversized. We'd loaded it in the field and left it out there overnight. That was kind of how we normally did things. And it had come a big rain that we weren't expecting. Or we hadn't watched the weather close enough or whatever. And down there in the bottom, and man, it got wet. I, I'm talking big, this was, this was a Freightliner, one of them old FLD 100s or whatever they are, them old FLD Freightliners. Normally, you reach up here, or a short guy like me reaches up here, opens the door, grabs his handle, and climbs the steps to get in. I have never seen a truck stuck in the mud, buried in the mud like this before. I walked up to it. Reached down here to grab the door handle and swung, oh, swung it open. It could step in just almost level with the ground. Don being Don said, we can get it out of here. <laughs> I spent my life, right? I was raised, my dad, that's what he done, was played in the dirt and played in the mud, excavating business, dump trucks, dozers, backhoes, all of that. I've never seen a truck in the mud like that before with a 53-foot trailer with 80,000 pounds or 80,000 gross altogether, right? Over 45,000 pounds of hay on it that's soaking wet. We're probably gross at 95 by that point. Don says we can get her out. <laughs> we're going to tear something up what we're going to do. Of course, old truck, it wouldn't even, you know, tires just, all you do is just get them to spin, they spin. Don's got this great big four-wheel drive tractor. He's got, he's got a bale on the front of it, so it's like a cushion, so he can ram the back of that trailer. Bale in the back, and all it does is old truck just hump a little bit whenever he'd hit it. I'm, I'll sit here as long as we tires, we ain't going nowhere. Don was determined to get it out of there. He went and got, there was an old boy, there was a dozer, actually it was a big 963 track loader, that's a great big track, Caterpillar track loader, that had been clearing land on the next place over. He goes and rounds up the guy, brings that loader down there, cutting big old ruts as it comes down, as it comes down there, and here, we finally got her out. Took all day, and we moved that much at a time. 
What that track loader could do is he chained up to the front. The tractor was in the back pushing, track loader chained in the front, and he'd come all the way out until his chain was tight, and if he tried to pull, one more tracks would just spin. Nothing. He'd take the bucket and curl the bucket. And that's how much we moved. Curl the bucket, set everything up again, curl the bucket, set everything up again, and we had to go from like here to the outer road out there past the Eddie's place out there by where the sign is all day long. I've been stuck in the mud. I've seen dozers stuck in the mud. I've been with Dad before when we've cut trees. Now, not great big trees, but small trees, and chained them under the tracks, run them across, chain it, right? Run it under a little bit, chain another one, run it under a little bit. Listen to me to try to get it out of the mud. I remember one time that we did get it out of the mud only to fall into another spot and Dad said, forget it, we'll go home, we'll come back later. I'm telling you tonight, you can get stuck in the mud. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how strong you are. If you play in the mud, you will get stuck in the mud. Period. It will happen. Satan has got a way. He knows that. He is slick. He is good at what he does. Listen to me tonight. Satan would love nothing better than to stop a believer from making any forward progress by filling their paths with mud. The mud of discouragement that robs you of your joy, the mud of distractions that robs you of your focus, the mud of disappointment it robs you of your faith, the mud robs you of your desire to go. Yeah, you, you ever notice you get out there and try to track through some really deep mud? It'll wear you out in a hurry. Spiritually, it'll do the same thing. It'll rob you of your motivation, of your energy. It'll rob you of your passion for God. The mud of complacency has been a very successful trap. I started to say tactic, but it's a trap. Trap of Satan's. I come across something a few years ago that I didn't know and I didn't understand. Did you know that sometimes a sheep will get down and can't get back up? I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. Especially it happens when they're on their backs. That's when they really they get down, they'll get on their backs, and they can't get back up. It's actually called being cast or being cast down. That's important to know as you're studying the scripture. Whenever Jesus is talking about, and the Bible talks about being cast down or being cast, that's the imagery. That's what it's talking about. It's like a sheep. When a sheep is cast, when it gets down and can't get back up, or when it gets down, it can't get back up on its own, is what I'm trying to say. It's got to have help to get back up. That's what, if the shepherd don't come along within a, just a little while, I read one place one time, like 24 hours, if the shepherd don't come along and get them back up, they'll die like that. Something about the, the gases, right? They can't get their, out of their system and they'll get bloated and before you know it, they'll die. Well, I wondered, how in the world does that happen? How do you get down and can't get back up? Because the first one I heard, I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe it's just, you know, really old sheep. But that's not the case. That's not, I mean, it can be the case. That's not necessarily the case. Now, Usually what happens 
from what I read and understand, is they'll get kind of heavy. Now, maybe because they're pregnant they'll get heavy. Maybe they're just that fat and they've gotten heavy. But a lot of times it's their wool, right? Their wool gets really heavy. And the thing that caught my attention, and the reason I'm bringing this up to you, is in places where they're sheep, where it's a wet, muddy climate, one of the worst things that happens is they get down on the ground and they get to wallowing around and they get so much mud in their wool that there is no way that they will get back up on their own. See, if they get out there and get to playing in the mud, it's almost a guarantee that they're going to end up cast, that they're going to end up getting down and not being able to get back up. They've gotten into the mud and are in distress. You know, the psalmist David many times, right? And he was a shepherd. He talks about being cast down. In Psalms uh, chapter 42 and verse 11, he says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Here's my message to you tonight. It is simply this. Please, please stay out of the mud. Stay out of the mud. It'll get you down where you can't get back up. And if that is where you are, Right now, if I'm talking to you and you're one of these sheep, right, you are cast down right now. You're stuck in the mud and you can't get back up, just like Alyssa was last week. There is only one way. There is only one person who can lift you out of the mud and clean you off. And that is the Good Shepherd. And his name is Jesus if you will just call out to him, he will reach down, right? His ear is not so heavy. His hand is not so short that he cannot reach down and pick you up and pull you out of the mud and clean you off and set you on firm ground. He is our good shepherd. Jennifer, would you come for a song of invitation? I pray that God has revealed to you my heart tonight that you've had ears to hear what the Spirit would say to you tonight and that you'll not soon forget the message tonight. Don't play in the mud. Don't play in the mud. Would you stand up? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come tonight. If the Spirit of God is dealing with you, would you come tonight? If you've got a need, if you've got a heavy burden, would you come tonight? Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity. Would you come tonight? Would you come?